0: Welcome to the Hills, all of you watching online or in person at one of our three services on the second holiest Sunday of the year. That's right, Christians across the world recognize today as Masters Sunday, and we're all going to watch the last round of the greatest golf tournament on earth, which raises the question, what is the greatest Sunday of the year? And it's next Sunday, it's Easter Sunday, when we celebrate the truth that He is Risen. So, at all three of our campuses, West Fort Worth, North, uh, South Lake, North Richard Hills, we're adding a Saturday service, and also, I want you to know that we're going to Dallas on Wednesday night to celebrate Easter, and you're invited. You may have friends in Dallas, and you to say, I'd love for you to get a sense of what my church is like. I'm actually going to preach a different sermon, and we're going to celebrate uh, Easter on Wednesday night at 7 at Skillman Church, so come and bring a friend. We're pumped about this week. Now... If you are a guest, you need to know our church has a mission, and our mission is to make and grow followers of Jesus. Now, we did not go off on a retreat and say, hey, what could be a mission for our church? We did not create this mission. We received this mission. The last standing orders of Jesus to the church were to go into all the world and make disciples. Disciple means learner. It means apprentice. It means follower. And so that is our mission. We want people to come to salvation in Christ. We want to make followers. We want to grow followers. We want people to come to maturity in Christ. We want everyone to be rooted in Jesus. Now, that's the word Paul uses in the book of Colossians. Paul is a church planner. He's a missionary. And he doesn't want just people coming to Jesus. He wants people coming to maturity in Jesus. And so he says, I want you to be rooted. I want your life to go down deep into the life of Jesus. And here's why. Because you know if there's a good root, you're going to produce good fruit. And Paul wants that. In fact, he talks about that at the very beginning of the book of Colossians. Go back and look with me. Verse 6 of chapter 1. He says, the gospel is bearing fruit. And growing throughout the whole world, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Here's what Paul is saying. When you go down deep in Jesus and the life of Jesus starts to flow in you, Jesus is not working in you just for you. Jesus is working in you so that Jesus can work through you for the sake of other people. A good root will bear good Fruit. And I think some people miss this. Some people miss the truth that if you commit to Jesus, you are committing to a mission that is bigger than you. Heard the story of two women that reconnected and one said, I've missed you. Where have you been? The second said, I've been taking a first aid course. First woman said, has it been useful? Oh, so useful. The other day I'm walking down the street I hear a car crash. I look out. There's been an accident. There are bodies on the street. There are blood everywhere. People are moaning in pain. I thought I was going to pass out. Then I remembered my first aid course. I put my head between my legs. I didn't faint. <laughs> now, what's wrong with that? Okay? The idea is that if you take a first aid course, it's for the mission of being a blessing to someone else. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. If you get rooted in Jesus, your passion for Jesus is going to grow. And if your passion for Jesus grows, your burden for people without Jesus is going to grow as well. Or let me put it this way. The life that goes deep will go wide. The deeper you go into Jesus... The wider your impact will be for Jesus. Football fans will recognize this picture. This is Coach Bill McCartney. He coached the Colorado Buffaloes in the 1980s, won a national championship. Great coach. He became a follower of Jesus. It became the most important thing in his life. So before a big game, he has a local pastor come and speak to his team. And the pastor talks for 30 minutes. He talks about grit and fight and resilience and coming together for victory. And he sits down next to coach and says, what'd you think? And coach says, you know, it seems like all you care about is if they win this game. And all I care about is if they know Jesus. Maybe we need to switch places. And it wasn't long after that, Coach McCartney retired and started a ministry called Promise Teachers to help men find Jesus. So we've been talking about being mature in Jesus by being rooted in his gospel. Rooted in his supremacy and his wisdom and his triumph and his life and his love. And so as Paul wraps up this letter, he's going to call on the church to be rooted in the mission of Christ. Now, we're going to read it. It's going to sound like he's just giving you a long list of names. But watch closely. Listen to every word. Because Paul is closing with a call to go wide. So starting in chapter four, verse two, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the ways you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you greetings, as does Mark, the husband of Barnabas. Now, you have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who was called justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my coworkers for the kingdom of God, and they've proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who was one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you, And for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house after this letter has been read to you. See that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that in turn you read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And so Paul finishes this incredible letter that's been lifting up Christ by calling them to look around for Christ. And I want to share with you three big ideas about how we can be rooted in the mission of Christ. And here's the first. Pray open doors for the sake of the gospel. Now, please notice, because I use my words very carefully. I did not say, pray for open doors for the gospel. I said, pray open doors for the sake of the gospel. Because in prayer, we're not just anticipating opportunities for the gospel. In prayer, we are creating opportunities for the gospel. We're speaking to God about people before we speak to people about God. By the way, this was Paul's favorite prayer request. (laughs) Paul spent a lot of time in prison, and when he asked people to pray for him, it was always for open doors. But now watch what he means. Look again at verse 3 and 4. Pray for us that God will give us an opportunity to tell people his message. Pray that we can preach the secret that God has made known about Christ. That's why I'm in prison. Pray that I can speak in a way that will make it clear as I should. Now, you notice that? I'm thinking if I'm in prison, hey, I have a prayer request. Pray that I get out of prison. He does not pray for an open door to get out of jail. He prays for an open door to do more preaching, which is what put him in jail. He prays for more opportunity to do what put him in prison. And this is what he always asks people to pray about. Ephesians 6, also from prison. He says, pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. This is a man that is rooted in the mission of Christ. Paul doesn't say, well, you know, prayer is what you do when you can't do anything else. No, prayer is what you do before you do anything else. You talk to God about people before you talk to people about God. Prayer is gospel work. It is plowing the field so that you can sow the seed of the gospel in it. That's why he brings up Epaphras. Now remember, he was the minister of the church in Colossae. He went to find Paul with some questions, but he didn't come back with the letter. What's he doing? Paul says, here's what he's doing. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. He's doing gospel work for you. That word wrestle in other places in the New Testament means fight, struggle, anguish. Now, church, last fall we revealed our vision for the next five years. You remember the first word? Ask for nations and generations. God is calling on us to ask him to pray open doors to reach the next generation and to reach the nations around us. I want to give a shout-out to Taylor Wally. Taylor launched in January uh, a prayer time. Every Wednesday from noon to 1, we are praying for the vision of our church. You can join us online. You can watch it later in the week at your convenience. But here's the thing. The metric for this is not how many people watch. The metric is not how many views do we get. The metric is faithfulness. God asked us to pray, and we are going to pray Asking for nations and generations because we believe when you pray, you can open doors for the gospel. I'll give you an illustration. So, we have a very active prison ministry here in Tarrant County. Uh, Once a week, we call it the God Pod, and inmates are allowed to come to a special room where they can listen to my preaching. Jose started to come. Now, Jose didn't care a thing about the things of God, he just wanted to get out of his cell for an hour. He said, on the back row, here's the thing. The word of God is living and active. And the more he listened, the more it began to penetrate. And Jose began to ask questions. And so our volunteer said, would you like to have a Bible? Jose said, I can't read. No, we can give you one in Spanish. Jose said, I can't read. Jose dropped out of school early, joined a gang. He got by in life by learning the shapes of the street signs and by having coworkers fill out his timesheet. So our volunteers prayed for Jose. They prayed open doors. They prayed, God, put someone in Jose's life that could teach him to read so that he can be exposed to your word. Okay, I hope you have a box that's big enough for the story I'm about to tell you, okay? Because the next time they saw Jose, he came up beaming. He said, last night, God woke me up and said, pick up that Bible and read it. So I did, and I can. I can read and understand the Bible. They were a little skeptical, so they picked a random verse in Hebrews and said, find that verse and read it. And they did, and he did, and he could. Jose could read the Bible. Now, why should stories like that shock us? We can't fathom how desperate God is, to reach his lost children. And that's why he's eager to respond when we pray to open doors. And he's eager for us to respond by walking through the doors God opens. So right after the call to prayer, Paul says in verse 5 and 6, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. And so after you have prayed open doors for the sake of the gospel, what's next? You must be open to any opportunity to talk about Jesus. You should look for what you asked God for. A door that unexpectedly opened He says, make the most of every opportunity. You didn't plan it. You didn't schedule it. You didn't know it was going to come. God opened the door. Make the most of that moment. Maybe the people that you've been viewing as an interruption were actually a divine appointment. And so when opportunities arise, rooted believers seek to speak. They're open to starting a conversation about Jesus. Paul says, let your conversation stop right there. The gospel is more than good deeds. The gospel is good words. The gospel is good news to be announced. We must never be content with a gospel that has no content. I'm not against good deeds. I'm for good deeds. They can open doors. But let's just be very, very clear about this. A gospel that is all do and never talk is actually a subtle form of legalism. Let me explain. You have a neighbor. Your neighbor does not know Jesus. When your neighbor's wife gets sick, you keep the kids. When your neighbor breaks a leg, you mow his yard. When your neighbor finds out he has cancer, you bring the family meals and you go see him in the hospital. And your neighbor dies. What gospel did you expose your neighbor to? The false gospel that God saves good people. Your neighbor died believing if you do good, if you're just good enough, you're saved. He believed a false gospel. What he needed to hear were the words, what he needed to hear was the message, what he needed to hear was the news. That we are not saved by being good. We are saved by trusting in the one who is good for us. That we're not saved by what we do, but we're saved by putting faith in what Jesus did. So, a rooted believer will seek to speak, but always a rooted believer will lace with grace. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Boldness mixed with kindness. And yes, it is possible to be a bold Christian and a kind Christian at the same time. Making people thirsty for Jesus by seasoning our conversation with salt. We're not called to be anybody's judges. We're not called to be anybody's prosecuting attorney. We are called to be witnesses. Always looking for an opportunity to tell anybody, why we love Jesus so much. Peter put it like this, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Be creative in the way you talk about Jesus. In one of his recent books, Max Lucado gave an example By telling the story of Delia and Aisha, and that is not their real names. They live in a country he can't mention because it's illegal there to go public for Jesus. Delia was a widow, moved there as a missionary. She had to be discreet. She met Aisha in a sewing class. They became friends, and before long, their friendship caused Aisha to become a friend of Jesus. Later, Aisha began to be courted by a man, a suitor, a Muslim man. Delia discouraged the relationship, said, you need to marry a Christian man. And Aisha responded, there aren't any Christian men. If I wait to be courted by a Christian man, I may never get married. Against Delia's advice, she got married. But Aisha promised, I will read my Bible every day and keep my faith in Jesus. And she did. And then she would hide her Bible. A few months later, Delia has a dream. And in that dream, God says to her, Share the gospel with Aisha's husband. She woke up panicked. In that culture, a woman does not initiate a conversation with a man, especially a married man. In that culture, to talk about Jesus can put you in jail. And so and Ayesha got together, and just like Esther, they came up with a plan. Delia invited the couple over to their home for a meal. In the course of casual conversation, Delia said, you know, I've got a movie about Jesus. Would anyone like to watch it? They agreed. And for two hours, they watched a movie about Jesus. The whole time they watched his face, he was passionless. When the movie's over, he got up and left the room. Delia and Alicia looked at each other afraid. Is he angry? Is he upset? He came back into the room holding Aisha's Bible. He said, I know you have been reading this book. And I have been reading it too. And I want to know more about this Jesus. And today, Ayesha and her husband are raising their children to follow Jesus. Here's my suspicion. That God puts more opportunities to talk about Jesus with people in our path than most of us are seeing. And so as we pray for open doors, we should also pray for open eyes. And remember, that person that crossed your path that doesn't know Jesus, it's real possible somebody else is praying for them. And you're the answer. I have a friend who's a pastor on the West Coast. When their oldest son went to college on the East Coast, he walked away from faith. But he found out life without God is life without meaning. He called his dad and said, I think this Sunday I'm going to visit a church. My friend hit the floor praying for his son. Begging God, let him find a church that will love him. A church that will see him. A church that will welcome him. And as he prayed, he realized, every week someone walks into my church and somebody is praying that same prayer for them. It's very possible that someone sitting not far from you right now is the subject of some parent or grandparent's fervent prayers that somebody will see them. We pray for open doors, we pray for open eyes because everybody needs the message of Jesus, and anybody can become a messenger. Of Jesus. And that's the third big idea. If you're rooted in the mission of Christ, you stay open to all the people God can find and use in the mission. I mentioned it. Paul closes Colossians with a lot of names. As he's lifting up Christ, he's building up people. He mentions Tychicus. He says, I sent him for the express purpose that he would encourage your hearts. By the way, wouldn't you like to be the kind of person that could be trusted with that assignment? That if God needed to send somebody to be a heart encourager, he would pick you. He mentions Epaphras, as I've already mentioned, who is wrestling in prayer. He's absent from you in body, Paul says, but he is present with you in spirit. The only person Paul ever praises for their prayer life. By the way, when an apostle praises your prayer life, you've had a good day. He mentions Justus and Aristarchus, fellow Jews. Paul says they've been a great source of comfort to me. Now, I love that. I love that Paul is so honest and transparent. You see, when you become a Christian, you don't forfeit your ethnicity or your heritage, you're still a Dominican. Or a Nigerian. Or an American. Paul was a Jew. And Paul loved his heritage. He loved his people. And even though most of them had turned their backs on Paul. Paul never turned his back on the Jewish people. And it meant so much to Paul. There are, are some Jews out there. Who love me. And who stand with me. In the gospel. But the two guys I want us to focus on the most who deserve special attention are named Onesimus and Mark. And these two guys are special because the truth is they'd have a hard time getting accepted by some seminaries today or getting hired by some churches because they had passed. You might remember Mark went on the first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. And Paul, Mark was a Jew. He lived in Jerusalem his whole life. That's all he knew was Jewish culture. The first few stops, they went to synagogues, lots of Jews in town. Mark was comfortable. Then they went up to Pamphylia, and they got into total Gentile country. No synagogues, no Jews. Mark couldn't take it. He left. He abandoned the mission trip, probably because he had not dealt with some latent racist residue in his heart. Mark had a reputation. That's why Paul said, now you've heard about him. If he shows up, treat him well. And then Onesimus was from Colossae, a former slave with a bad reputation, a thief who ran away, and Paul chooses him to bring the letter back. Now, here's the thing about the mission. The mission is to tell people about a gospel that says there is nothing in your past that will keep Jesus from giving you a new future. And isn't it true that the people that are the best proclaimers of grace are the people who know how much they need grace? And so according to church tradition, not only did Onesipus become a beloved member of the church in Colossae, a strong Christian, he became the bishop of Ephesus. And we know about Mark. In Paul's last letter, before he dies, he said, get Mark and bring him. I want to see him. Mark became very dear to Paul. In fact, Mark got chosen to write one of the biographies of Jesus. Now listen, when the Holy Spirit picks you to write one of the biographies of Jesus, you have had a really good day. And Onesimus and Mark remind us to stay open to all the people God can find and use in the mission. Like James. I told you about James a few years ago. James Bird was a, the leader of the Aryan Brotherhood in Texas. You cannot name the crime he didn't commit. He will never leave prison. In fact, until just recently, he spent 23 hours a day in solitary. But James has become a fervent follower of Jesus through our prison ministry. All he does is hold his Bible, read his Bible, and tell people about Jesus. He has brought many people to Christ in prison. And earlier I told you about Jose. Jose is still in prison. Jose is now the pastor of a church in prison. Jose preaches every Sunday to his church and sends us the prayer request. And Jose leads discipleship groups for men using Rick Warren's purpose-driven Life. In English and in Spanish, because Jose can read. Yeah, and what they remind us is this the life that goes deep will go wide. By the way, so will the church. The more a church is rooted, in Jesus, the more Jesus works through that church to reach others. Several years ago, I read about a wedding recently in Australia. It was an outdoor wedding, very scenic spot. It was on a ledge with a body of water beneath. They're having the ceremony. While they're having the ceremony, not far away, a woman who wasn't part of the wedding party fell off the cliff into the water and started to drown. In the middle of the ceremony, the best man says, excuse me, and jumps off the cliff because he's a good swimmer. The bride, a registered nurse, ran down to the shore, into the water, in her gown, because she knew how to do CPR. And the woman was saved. And it's a powerful reminder that while we love our ceremonies and our festivals, nothing trumps the mission. So we come together like we are now, powerful and beautiful. I love it. But church is not a filling station where the cars stay at the pump. We come together to refuel. We scatter to go live on mission. So we're going to close this sermon and this series by praying open some doors. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to ask you in a moment to pray an uncomfortable prayer. Everyone bow your head. Here's the first prayer. I want you right now to pray for someone that you love that needs Jesus. They might be in your family, they might be down your street, or they might be in a different state or country. Just pray for them right now. Pray open a door that God will put someone in their life that they can have a Jesus conversation with. Okay, here's a second prayer. It's going to make you a little more uncomfortable. I want you to pray that in the next 30 days, you will have an opportunity for an unplanned, unscheduled, unscripted opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus. It might even be someone you don't know yet. But would you do that? Would you have the courage to say, God, would you trust me in the next 30 days? A completely unscheduled unexpected opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus. Ask for that right now. Oh, God, you didn't fail. We did. We rebelled and turned our back on you. But you never turned your back on us. Instead, you sent Jesus to open a way for us to come home. So, God, would you open doors for us? Open our eyes that we can see people. Open our mouths so that we will speak Jesus. Open our hearts that we'll love lost people as much as you do. Thank you for grace. Help us always to stay open. Of the gospel. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I gotta tell you, I'm excited about some of the emails I'm gonna get in the next 30 days about how God has worked in your prayer. Everybody stand up, please. So, prayer opens doors. To my right, you see some people standing by the prayer room. Maybe you're in a situation right now in your life where a door is closed why don't you ask someone to pray with you let's see if we can pray that door open just in this next song you just come right over here and we'll do that and I want to be real clear God doesn't save good people God saves forgiven people Who do not trust in what they can do, but in what Jesus has done. If you have not put saving faith in Jesus, you need to hear some good news. That you can come today, confess Him, be baptized, and begin the life of following Jesus, covered in His righteousness, instead of your own. And that's really good news. So we invite you to come while we lift up Jesus.